The Apostle Paul wrote, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. And today we celebrate the central point of Christianity, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our greatest enemy, death, has been defeated. And the victory over death belongs to Jesus. And Jesus shares with us his victory when we accept what he has done through faith. And the resurrection of Jesus Christ absolutely matters in 2017. It matters in my life and it can be the greatest news in your life as well. Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, on this day when we remember that you raised Jesus from the dead, and we remember what you have accomplished through this incredible, incredible act of your love and your power and your victory, may we be changed by you today. May we be people of the resurrection. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There's two passages of scripture I want us to look at this morning on this Easter Sunday. The first is from John chapter 20, where it records the events of the first Easter morning. And then a little later on, I want us to look at 1 Corinthians 15, where the Apostle Paul wrote to the early church, to remind them of the centrality of the resurrection. So John chapter 20, starting at verse 1. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we don't know where they put him. So Peter and the other disciples started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in at the strips of linen lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter, who was behind him, arrived and went into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there just as, as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. And they asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they put him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, he asked, why are you crying? Who is it that you're looking for? Thinking that it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. 
And Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. And Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news. I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. So there we have it, that first Easter Sunday. Mary Magdalene is outside the tomb of Jesus weeping. The tomb is empty. The stone's been rolled away. And she's in despair because she thinks someone has taken the body. And she has come there. She came with the other women to anoint Jesus' body. He had been crucified on Friday and they had hastily put it in the tomb because the Sabbath was coming. And so now the women came so they could properly anoint the dead body. Then Jesus suddenly appears. But she doesn't recognize him until he calls her by name. And then she clings to him in such a way that he has to tell her, you can let go, I'm not leaving yet. I'm not returning to the Father yet. And then he tells her to be, or makes her the first evangelist. And tells her to go and tell the others. Mary Magdalene played an important part in Jesus' life and ministry. And she was there at the crucifixion. She was the last one to see him alive, standing there with Jesus' mother, Mary. And when they took the body down off the cross, she was there to see that awful, gory sight. And when they placed him in the tomb, the scriptures record that she was also there watching all of it happen. Then after the Sabbath on Saturday night, she purchased spices because she had hoped to go and anoint Jesus' body. And she went there with the other women to do this. But when they get there, the tomb is empty. And so she concludes, someone has taken the body. And so she wants to find it so she can anoint it. Mary Magdalene was the last at the cross and the first at the tomb. Last at the cross and first at the tomb. This is a high honor that cannot be said of any of the male disciples. She was the first to see him alive and the first to hear his voice. Now this may be obvious to you, but it is extremely important for us to remember. Jesus died. Jesus died. You cannot have the glory of Easter, you cannot have the resurrection of the dead without Jesus dying. What happened on Friday was that he was crucified and he died. But without that death, you don't have the glory of the resurrection. Craig Barnes, in an article called Easter in an Age of Terror, pointed out that Easter is both good news and also terrifying news. It's good news because Jesus came back from the dead, but it's terrifying news because we are confronted with the awful reality of death. And the scriptures record that many of the people who witnessed the resurrection watched it from a distance. We don't want to get too close to death. In our world, we try and avoid it at all costs. 
And we try and pretend that we're not getting older and our bodies are not falling apart. We think if we eat certain foods and do certain things, then we will what? Stay healthy and live longer till what? We are all going to die. Except if Jesus returns before that, we are all going to die. And we don't like to deal with death. We keep it at arm's length. I mean, we don't like, we don't drive by a funeral home and just pop in for a cup of coffee. But we are all going to face the fact, or we all have to face the fact that we are going to die unless Christ returns first. But until we face the fact that we are going to die, we can't benefit from the resurrection. That Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Many of you know that two years ago I was diagnosed with lung cancer and I had surgery to remove part of my lung and then went through chemotherapy and during my chemotherapy I developed blood clots in my legs and in my lung and it was a very serious time. Well the other day though my blood clots came back and I had a blood clot in each leg and then two in my right lung. And I remember being in the hospital and talking to one of the doctors. And he said, you were a heartbeat away from death. Now, I'm not looking forward to dying. But I'm not afraid of death. I'm not afraid of death because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Not looking forward to dying. Absolutely not. But, not afraid of death. Because of the resurrection. Jesus said, anyone who believes in me, even though they die, shall live. And Jesus defeated death by rising from the dead. And he shares with us his victory and gives to us the gift of eternal life when we put our faith in him. So Jesus actually died and then he actually rose from the dead. This is extremely important. Mary Magdalene did not see a ghost. He physically rose from the dead. It was his body. The same body. Now in a resurrected state. But Mary Magdalene was able to cling on to him. There's other texts in the New Testament that talk about how it's a physical resurrection. He died and he rose again. It's interesting to note that the stone that was in front of the tomb was rolled away not necessarily to let Jesus out, but to let us in. And because Jesus actually died and actually rose again from the dead, this gives us hope. But you see, Jesus didn't just die and then rise again from the dead. He died in our place. He took upon him the sin of the world. He sacrificed himself for us. And when we put our faith in him and accept what he did for us, the scriptures say that we have the forgiveness of sins. He died for your sin and my sin and the sin of all the world. So it wasn't just about him dying and rising again. The purpose was to pay the penalty for our sin. And so we no longer have to fear death because our sins are forgiven. And we will never be separated from God for all eternity. 
The resurrection of Jesus is the validation of everything Jesus said and did. There's a story of a man who became a Christian, and when he was asked by his friends why he had become a Christian, he replied, Suppose you were going down a road, and suddenly the road forked in two directions, and you didn't know which way to go, and you saw two men at the fork. One was dead, and one was alive. Which one would you follow? And then he said, I decided to follow the man who was alive. We have followed the one who is alive. A good test that will help you know which religion to follow is this, find the religion whose founder rose from the dead. That is the true religion that leads us to heaven. And only one religion meets that standard, and it is Christianity, because only one man in history meets that qualification, and it is Jesus the Christ. Earlier on in his life, Jesus was talking with a lady by the name of Martha, and he said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? And Jesus wants everyone to know that he rose from the dead. He also wants everyone to know that he paid the penalty for our sins. And that sins have been forgiven. And when we put our faith in Jesus, we receive that forgiveness. Now you may be asking this question, how does someone become a Christian? Well, the simplest explanation of this is recorded in the book of Romans where the Apostle Paul wrote about this. He wrote these words in Romans chapter 10, verse 9. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As the scripture says, Anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jews and Gentiles. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. And this is what Easter is all about. It is the culmination of God's plan of redemption. His plan of salvation for us culminates in the resurrection. And our futures are safe and secure in God's hands because of the resurrection of Jesus. And this message is for everyone, everywhere, at all times. It's for you and for me. When I moved here last fall, it was football season. And I know many people would come to church wearing the jerseys of their favorite teams. Unfortunately, most people were cheering for the wrong teams, but... People are fans, but there's a huge difference between being a fan and being a member of the team. We had left Chicago, and it was a good year for Chicago, for the Cubs, and I remember being there, and people were just rabid fans. They would uh, have so, you know, you had to get the official Cub jersey, which cost, you need a mortgage to buy one of those, and People would have flags, they'd attach flags to their cars, and they had bumper stickers, they'd have all this, and every time the Cubs would win, they'd put a W outside of their house, as if that would protect them from something. (laughs) Some people would get tattoos. 
but they were only fans. They were never a member of the team. And there's only, only one way to become a member of the team. You have to be invited. And not only invited to become a member of the team, you have to accept that invitation. Sometimes I've watched the NFL draft and it's always interesting to see when a, uh, a team picks a player and they'll bring that player out and the owner will sit there and hand that player the jersey. And until that player puts on the jersey, they're not a member of the team. There's a big difference between being a fan and being a member. But so also, you might be a friend of a family, but that doesn't make you a family member. There's only one way to become part of a family, and that is to be born into a family. And scriptures tell us that when you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are born into the family of God. God extends to us that invitation to become part of his family, but you have to accept that invitation by faith. And when we accept it, scriptures say that we have been born into the family of God. And God writes our names in a book called the Book of Life. And since he writes our names in it, no one can take that away. But not only that, God seals us with the Holy Spirit. When we put our faith in Jesus, God seals us with the Holy Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And the resurrection secures all of this for us. Now the Apostle Paul, about 30 years after the resurrection, had to write to a church in Corinth and remind them of the centrality of the resurrection. I want to read a few of these verses from that chapter, chapter 15. It says here, Now brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel. The gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand, by this gospel you are saved. If you hold firmly to the word I preached to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. For what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Peter and then to the twelve. And after that he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. And then he appeared to James and then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me as one abnormally born. You jump down to verse 12, it says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. For we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not rise from the dead if in fact the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, 
your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all people. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And then he goes on and says these words. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourself fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. And because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can have eternal life. We can have the forgiveness of sins. and We can have hope both now and for all eternity. And if you have never accepted this invitation from God, if you have never accepted his gift of the forgiveness of sins and life eternal with him, there's no better time than today. And it's as simple as saying a simple prayer like this, Lord Jesus, I need your help. I know I'm a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again from the dead. I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. And if you've never accepted that it's as simple as saying those words in just a few moments I'm just going to ask you to pray with me and if you've never prayed that prayer you can pray these words along in your heart and cry out to God for help so let us pray together again if you want to say these this is between you and God it's not between you and me but between you and God just pray Lord Jesus, I need your help. I know I am a sinner. I believe that you died for my sins and that you rose again from the dead. I accept you now as my Lord and Savior. Amen. If you have prayed that prayer, the promise of Scripture is this, that you are now born into the family of God. And this is something that's between you and God. I would love to talk with you if you have made that decision for the first time. I'd love to talk to you and explain more from the scriptures so that you will know for sure that you are now part of the family of God, that your sins are forgiven, and you have the gift of eternal life. But if you'd like to, and if you'd like to let me know that you've made that decision, you can talk to me after, or simply just use one of the connection cards and just write on it, I said yes. And if you'd like to pray with someone this morning, our prayer team will be up front on the sides and they'll be wearing the purple name badges and say prayer team on them as well. And you can come up and pray with them after to know that you are now part of the family of God. The central part of Christianity is a resurrection from the dead. And this victory is Jesus's, and he shares it with us today. So today, we can say, he is risen. 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 He is risen.
Amen and amen. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, what a privilege it is to know of the victory of Jesus Christ over death and sin and the devil. And so, Lord, we thank you that we can be part of your family. And Lord, for anyone who has prayed to become part of your family, Lord, I ask that you would surround their hearts and their minds and protect them to know that they are now yours. And thank you, Lord, for the forgiveness of sins. Thank you for the promise of eternal life. Lord, we live in a world where there is fear all around us and there's no hope for the future. And we put our hope in things that, don't, won't, things that won't last. But we know that our future is safe and secure in your hands because of the resurrection. And so we look to you for help here and now. We thank you for the hope you give us. Enable us to be the people you've called us to be. Help us to share this gospel, this good news with the world around. That people would come to know of you and your love for them. And we pray this all in the name of our Lord and Savior, who was dead and yet is risen. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.